Welcome to another edition of the Inside Scoop. My name is Neil Crawford. I'm your host and also the founder of Anytime Soccer Training. If you're not familiar with the Inside Scoop, it's a podcast dedicated to helping parents learn about the soccer pathways that would be available to their child if they live in another city around the world. And this show is brought to you by Anytime Soccer Training. Anytime Soccer Training is the only training application with well over 5,000 training videos covering everything. Kids love the fact that the average video is five minutes. It has plenty of rest breaks, slow motion demonstrations, follows a logical curriculum so that they don't get overwhelmed. Parents and coaches and clubs love the fact that they have a total solution to in-home training. It's absolutely free to join, so you can check it out for free, and you get a lifetime of free content and upgrades for individuals less than a meal. In clubs, you can create teams, you can see that the kids are doing it, you get all of that, plus the 5,000 training videos for less than $5 per player per year. So check out anytime-soccer.com, join today. I appreciate your support. Now let's get on to the show. This is going to be a quick show, and it's the first show in a series I'm calling True, False, Call, and Responses. I'm calling True, False, Call, and Responses because I'm going to throw out my opinion. You know by now many of my opinions go against conventional wisdom, and I want you guys to respond. I want you guys to share your opinion on the social on, the, on our various social media groups, Anytime Soccer social media group, the youth soccer coaching group. You can email me, DM me, call me. And if you have a strong conviction for or against this, I also encourage you to contact me and come on the show. I would love that. I think our audience would enjoy hearing either affirmations or people at who people are or from folks who have a different experience, different nuance. So now let's get on to the show. This is the first one. Oh, yeah. One more thing I forgot. Spoiler alert. Many of these true false are going to be summaries of something that I've talked about in the past. And there's a practical reason for that as well, because we're getting into year three of the podcast and people will ask me questions. My kids will even ask me questions. And I know I've recorded something, giving my opinion on it, and I can't even find it. So um, if I can't find it, and I know as much as I would love for you guys to listen to every one of these shows, I know you don't. So sometimes I'm just going to record a summary so I can share it out to folks when the time is right. All right, so let's go. So here's the first true, false call or response question. True or false? When players dribble around cones, or dribble through cones during practice with their heads down. This promotes or even helps form a bad habit of dribbling with their heads down during games. Again, true or false, when players dribble with their heads down, around or through cones, especially in an unopposed practice. This promotes 
or even creates the bad habit of them doing the same thing, dribbling with their head down during games. And conversely, if you step in as a trainer or a parent or a peer with the intervention and in and force the player to do these same drills without looking down. It can promote, it will promote and can lead to the habit of them looking up during games. And finally, get if you get rid of the cones, but they still look down. Promote, create the habit of looking down during games. You get rid of the cones, they're looking up, promotes and or creates the habit of looking up during games. This is the question. And there are three big categories as to why I don't, why I land firmly on false on this. There's the science, there's my logic based on the science, and then my learned experiences. So there's a science, then my logic, and then my learning experience. Let's talk briefly about the science. So I'm going to read habit uh, formation, uh, a quick, quick summary of habit formation. Decades of psychological research consistently show that mere repetitions of a simple action in a consistent context leads through associative learning to the action being activated upon subsequent exposure to those contextual cues. So that was a mouthful. So I mean, let me read it one more time. So decades of psychological research consistently show that mere repetitions of a simple action in a consistent context leads through associative learning to, to the action being activated upon exposure to those contextual cues. So how do I interpret that? It's basically saying, if you do repetitions, in order for that those repetitions to turn into a habit, a habit, so the form is a habit, those repetitions need to be performed in the same context that that habit that you're speaking about is performed. Same context, the context matters. That's why you hear a lot of ecological folks say you need game-like training because they're talking about context. Where I think, and we're gonna talk about where I think they miss something in a second, but that's what they're talking about, the same context. So let me give you some anecdotal logic based on my opinion. If you were to have me walk through a landmine with one of those landmine detectors and I'm going and ask me to walk through that field, I'm going to be looking down. I'm going to be looking closely at that detector to see if I, if I run over a booby trap. That will not, I don't care if I do that a million times, that will not form the habit of me looking down when I'm walking in an open field with no booby traps. 
And conversely, I don't care how many times I walk in an open field with no booby traps. The moment you tell me that there are booby traps, that you give me one of those landmine machines, my head is going to go down. Another example. We walk into various rooms in our house all the time. And if you're like a normal person, you do not look both ways and check for cars or any other danger. But the moment you go into a parking lot or the moment you go to a or the moment you have to cross the street, you're going to immediately and instinctively start looking both ways and checking your surroundings. Why does you not looking both ways when you walk into your living room? Why does why does those reps not translate into you not looking both ways when you cross the street? Again, it's because the context is totally different, right? And those context cues are so powerful that even if you, you block the street off, and you tell me this street is blocked for oncoming traffic. No one can come within a mile of this street. You are still going to look both ways before you cross a street, or you're going to have to consciously tell yourself not to look both ways. But it's going to be in your mind. Why? Because that context has been, you practiced in that context for so long. And even if I told you to look both ways before you um go into your bedroom, you could do it, but you're going to know there's no potential um, cars. So it's just artificial and it's not going to form the real habit. So now let's go a little bit further on this. Surely, Neil, bad habits are formed though, right? Tim Tebow is a famous example of a quarterback who had a or throwing motion. Well, you can learn something incorrectly, and now you, you've ingrained that motion in your head because you've learned it incorrectly. So if I teach you to kick the ball with your toes, and you do that a zillion times, yes, you're going to form, in isolation, a bad habit of kicking the ball with your toes. But that's just a technical bad habit. It has nothing to do with the contextual cues in regards to what we're talking about. It's almost like how I type on the keyboard or you know, my arch or not arch, that's not a good one, but literally it's just a technical bad habit, but it's, it has nothing to do with the contextual cues. So yes, technical bad habits can be formed, even though I think it's ridiculously rare that players practice, practice, practice all this time and get all these coaches and then have these um, um, spectacular technical issues, uh, technical issues. They do, just like Tim Tebow, but it's rare that you, there's a reason why I'm using Tim Tebow as an example. It's rare that someone makes it to that level with a, where, where people have completely neglected a glaring technical flaw. So yes, there are technical bad habits that can be formed, but they're not formed because you've because of the context or habit formation that we're talking about. So, and so what does that mean? If I'm in an unopposed environment, 
and I lay a line of cones that are three feet apart and ask you to dribble around them. It's practical, it's logical, it's reasonable, it's intuitive that you're gonna constantly be glancing down to make sure you don't run over the cones. But dribbling through three, a line of three cones uh, of cones three feet apart, it's not the same context as in a game or practice or any other opposed environment. Your how you act in a game or opposed uh, opposed environment begins with how you think. I Neil Crawford have zero technical ability. But if you put me in a free play environment or I'm playing with adults and you pass me the ball, ball, the first thing I'm going to do is look up because I'm taking in information. So if you train a kid and you have them looking up and looking at colors and looking at numbers and checking this and checking that, if they're not taking in real game-like information and real patterns that exist in the game, it's not hurting them, but it's not forming the habit in the same context. So then what are you doing? You're just helping them uh, with a technical component of vision that they're going to need that they're going to need in these um, in these environments. And there's nothing wrong with that. So checking my shoulder and then receiving the ball, is the equivalent of, you know, looking away and then locating the ball as a center fielder. That's a technical skill that you need to be, you, you need to do. But my personal opinion is uh, it depends on what you're working on, whether or not that's important at those particular moments. And my next opinion is if they're working on that stuff in an opposed or game-like environment, those habits are going to be formed whether you like it or not. Because I have seen so many times with so many kids I work with, whew, they check their shoulders better than any Esther. They looking around, they doing all this, hand down, open up, ball, ball. They doing all communicating. But they ain't not, they, something's not happening between the ears. They're not processing the information. Because when they receive the ball, it's, they act as if they didn't look at anything. And so what information are you taking? Right? So let's talk about another common bad habit. Oh, this player has a bad work rate, ha has a habit of a bad work rate. Well, again, that's someone who uh, you could run them into the ground in a training environment. But if you put them in that same game context and they don't understand why they're running and what, what, why it's important and what the level of effort needs to be and how to conserve energy when they need it and, and exert energy when they don't, then you're still going to have these issues. So then if I have to be critical on coaching and clubs and I'm talking to a parent trainer and we get into, well, how are bad habits forged? This is where you need to be a little careful. Bad habits are forged when, when someone creates the same context or a similar context and allows behaviors to, op to happen in that context, right? That won't be successful when the real context happens. 
So for example, maybe you do rondos and you're working on um, um, you know, passing, moving, that kind of stuff, keeping possession. And the rondo is the uh, drill is too big or a lot bigger than it is in the game. And then the defenders have to cover all this ground in that rondo and it's just not practical and it lacks intensity. I'm not a coach in that regard. I'm giving a hypothetical. But the bottom line is it, it looks like a game. It acts like a game. It has all of the context of the game, but you're allowed to do things over and over for years and years that are not, um, that, that will not be successful in a game. This is when bad habits can be formed. And so let me go even more nuanced. Many people say, oh, that's why you have to have what they consider to be high competition because you need this elevated level of competition in these structured games so that you don't have time to do this and that. And there's a key word in this definition, mere repetitions of a simple action. I don't, I think the, the number one way to get that volume of repetition in these simple actions, which are these decisions, it has to happen in a training environment. You, you don't form habits in the game environment. You get exposed. And that, that, that training environment needs to send those signals back to you that this level is not, this is not the level. And then the game environment should complement what you're doing in training and then illuminate what you're doing in training and help course correct if there's an issue. So that doesn't mean, especially in the foundation and the performance and the development phase, that doesn't mean you don't play some high level competition, but the volume of uh, competition is, I believe has become completely out of whack in the US at least, or at least in my area, because a lot of people seem to believe that that's how habits are formed or that's an important part of habit, habit formation, where I think the most important form of habit formation is getting a lot of those game-like reps in game-like environments where the cues are the same, the signals are the same, same, and the consequences are the same as in a game. And then if I put you in any environment, a low competition environment, you, you're gonna 10 exit. If I put you in a higher competition environment, you're gonna three exit, but the habit is there. And yes, there's also a place for theoretical instruction, learning the theory and the rules around what you're going to do. That's why we take a class on driving to learn the road signs and, and the theory behind driving as part of a driver's ed class. Now, learning something in theory or getting a lot of verbal instructions alone, that's not enough to forge any habits. You have to forge those habits on the road but obviously just having um, pre um, knowledge introduced to you or concepts introduced to you allows you to put what you're going to do in context. So as it relates to soccer, absolutely. If someone explains to you, you're keeping your head up because of these situations will happen in the game or you're watching film and we're gonna show you why checking your shoulder matters. That has a role but those habits are really forged in the real game-like environment or the same contextual, uh, the same context 
or the environment that has similar cues. So I just wanted to close the loop on, loop on that as well. And so what does this mean in um, layman terms? Number one, don't stress your kid out by plea, by yelling at them about keeping their head up when they're doing this ball master drill or dribbling through these cones. Because the logical thing, if you're dribbling through three feet cones, uh, cones that are three feet apart, is for you to look at where you're going. If you want them to look up, if this is your thing, right? Then you have to create the same contextual cues uh, as the game. Then they're going to look up. And if they don't look up at that point, they will be um, penalized. They'll lose the ball. They won't win. They won't be able to score, this kind of thing. This is one of the number one issues I see with parents, especially, who work with their kids. They get on them, but the kid is acting very rational given the design of the, of the training. The next takeaway is then why in the world do you dribble through line cones if that's not game-like? Because when you do that, you there are a lot of reasons. I'm not going to go into all of them here. I've talked about it in a lot of shows. But you're strengthening the neuroplasticity, which is the nervous system, the tissues around the nerves, that connect to the muscle fibers that drive um, um, motion of your body. And the actual motion of your body can actually create a feedback loop for that whole system to become more efficient. And it's that efficiency, that strength and neuroplasticity this shortens the amount of time that it takes for your brain to send these signals that makes these movements easier. And the easier these movements become for you, the less space or, or energy it requires in your brain, number one, that makes everything else to you appear slower, right? It, you have more confidence, but in actuality, it's just you can do you you're able to do things at a higher rate, higher level of control, higher speed. And when you couple that strengthened neuroplasticity, which is where the parent trainer steps in, with a game-like training environment where the coach steps in, then you have a technical and intelligent player. And the final thing on this is we have to remember that the individual is, 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 is the most important actor in their own development. And so even though the kid, we're setting up the stuff now and the kids are doing this kind of stuff, it's also good for us to think about the fact that these are drills that the child is basically doing on their own. We're just facilitating. And I have not seen any evidence to suggest 
that these Premier League players and La Liga players that I see when they do these individual sessions and be dribbling around cones, then take that and apply that to the games. I have not seen it. What I have seen is people not being taught stuff because there's a little bit of theory you need to be taught. And I have seen them not operate in game-like environments that promotes the behaviors that you want to see in games. In other words, something's happening between the ears and they're not getting the instruction at the at that precise moment in the exact context that's required to course correct that behavior. And because of that, that's what people say, oh, he's driven with his head down. That's what they're talking about. They're not talking about he's doing 10,000 hours of dribbling around cones. He's getting this great instruction Monday through Friday in his club and environment. But because he's dribbling around these cones, it's, um, it's uh, negating all this instruction in these context cues in the game environment. That's not that's not what I think is happening. So this true false lecture is over. Now I have called it. I want you guys to respond in the Facebook group. DM me. You can call me. You can email me. I love having this conversation. So I say call me. People do call me now. So don't feel like I like I literally don't and don't let me spook you. If you if you email me or whatever, I want to ask you for your number because I like talking about this stuff. We'll talk all day while our kids are at practice. So again, this is Neil Crawford, founder of Anytime Soccer Training. Thanks for listening and let's get better together.